I want to feel the heat. So, um, Whitney, tell us, yes. tell us about it. No, I think that, because I was at a wedding, as I mentioned, and I think uh, that uh-huh. song must have been on the... Classic dance floor filler. Yeah. Well, that's not that easy to dance to, I, I figured. Feel the heat. <laughs> Somebody. Yeah? Any heat in particular? Sort of warm armpit heat, or...? Um, I think Breath? it's... Um, Breath is hot. I think I like feet. <laughs> someone to breathe on Feet, like recently unsocked feet. feet. <laughs> recently unsocked feet, that's yeah. pretty hot. Degloved feet. Yeah. Progressive Rugby League. Hello everyone, The Slug here, and NRL season's nearly here. (laughs) Can you smell it? It's nearly here. So, we're here to talk about all the possibilities, as well as everything happening in the north of the globe. I'm here with Jono. Hello, Jono. G'day, g'day. How are we? Well, we're alright. Big Al. Yep, g'day, I'm here. I am super psyched, and I was just thinking about the comment you made about you can smell the seasons around the corner. Yes. What do you think the NRL season smells like? Well... Uh, serious answers only, please. Uh, oh, feet after the off-season we've had. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think it smells like freshly baked cookies. Oh, okay. so Nana's lemon Enticing. meringue pie. Yeah. yeah if I were well. a cartoon, the, the scent would be tickling my nose and I'd be floating, like, following it. All right. Well, maybe Nana's cookies that have had been stood on by feet. Maybe that's a decent <laughs> mix. Go with that. No. All right. Do not accept. <laughs> Uh, what about you guys? You going all right, Jono? Yeah, look, I've missed you guys. Slug, I've missed you. Big Al, I've missed you. And I've missed our listeners. I'm really looking forward to getting back into the swing, the weekly grind, the swing, the arm wrestle. Let's do it. Yes. So, it's just occurred to me that this would be an appropriate moment given that, you know, it's a new season. Mm. We may have some new listeners. Yeah. We should lay down our tenants here at Progressive Rugby League. Jono, what are the pillars of any progressive rugby league fan must follow? Well, we have, we have three pillars, and we also have a couple of mottos. <laughs> so not to, <laughs> not to overcomplicate things, but uh, uh, pillar number one is life is short, chuck the ball around. So that's an on-field pillar. We want to be entertained, so give the ball some air, please. Uh, pillar number two is more an off-field pillar, which is, you know, what do you stand for? What are your progressive values? And pillar number three is... Rugby League's a funny game. It's hilarious. Let's not forget that when we're getting uptight about things because, you know, it's pretty funny. That's right. And then one of the main mottos we like to say also, and it's, it's central to what we're all about, is winning is secondary. Yeah. Indeed. That's right. Well, I think also it's probably worth noting that when we say life is short, chuck it around, mm. we're not only talking about on the field. We, we love rugby league administrators oh. that, fit, that uh, the meta- pass metaphorically is- chuck it around a lot as well. So there's that. Fellas, we start these episodes with our reflections of what's happening at the moment. Who's going first? I'll give it a crack. Look, we're at the start of the season in Australia. We're early on in the season in the UK. And it's the time of the year where there's a, a fair bit of optimism about. We're sort of hoping uh, for a successful year. And I think one of the measures of success is the ability to attract uh, people to the game and make them become emotionally involved in the game. So I want to talk about the challenge of getting people emotionally involved in the game, i.e. 
getting them to become like us. <laughs> so first you want to take on a myth that I think we all help perpetuate, uh, not because I personally don't believe in the myth, but I think it breeds complacency in us and makes us take our eye off the ball. So I'm talking about the idea that our game, rugby league, is the best game to watch, is the most entertaining game to watch around. So my question okay, is... Okay, sorry, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> Big Al's eyes have just <laughs> exploded in his head. Just reserving a reaction. <laughs> well, I'll let you finish. I did say that I believe in the myth, but I, my question is, is it the most entertaining game around? Is it the best game to watch around? Are we, as people with deep emotional connections with the game, really the best people to judge? Because I think if we, if we, if we do, then we're doing the game a disservice, an injustice if our default position is that our game is the best to watch because we need to keep focused on making it better, more unpredictability, more reward for creativity. If we have a more watchable game, a more unpredictable game, then those who aren't emotionally connected, like us, there'll be an open door for them. The door will be slightly ajar. But of course, getting people emotionally connected uh, is much more than having a watchable game. That's important, of course. Uh, There's much more to it. So rugby league really needs to be a community that people want to belong to, that people feel welcome to join. So if you look at the impressive rise of Toronto Wolfpack, for instance, I don't think that the on-field action has been the main attraction for new fans. Sure, it's been part of it. The games have been, you know, very watchable. But there are plenty of watchable sports out there. I think their success has been about creating something that, A, people feel welcome to enter into, and B, that they feel that they can belong to. So they're the things that I'll be focusing on this year to encourage more focus and more fans to join us. You know, so A, encouraging an even more watchable game to get our foot in their door, and B, fostering a welcoming community that people want to join so they eventually open that door and welcome us into their lives with open arms. Right, so Big Al, you're making notes. Is this a rebuttal? I think, I'm, I'm, I think for the first time in my life, since year eight debate class, I'm, I'm going to make a, an official rebuttal. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Am I, am I allowed? I, I, I didn't want to chime in at all because you're on a bit of a bit of a run. No, no, okay. go for it. This, this as, as always, up for debate. All kinds of all, all feedback in the uh, in, in the, the progressive mm. round table that we hold. Yeah. So first, your notes on uh, a community. Yes. Uh, actually, no. Step back. Your notes. Uh, your comment on are we the best as lovers of the game? People mm. that are. It, emotionally hooked onto the sweet nectar that is yeah. the juice of rugby league uh, as people that are hooked into it and are we the best judges um, as to whether it's the best that it can be yes I think and I don't want to like talk I don't know how progressive it is to talk big of oneself <laughs> but I think we're the perfect people to, to work to, to judge whether rugby league is the best that it can be because we're we're woke friends. Like, we are woke rugby league fans, and all we want is for the game to be the best that it can be. Of course. So we're always looking for ways, like, well, I think one thing that we're definitely not is afraid of change. In fact, the mm. three of us, the holy trinity that is the, the PRL. <laughs> but is that an emotional obsession, or are we logical and reasonable about that? I think we are quite logical and reasonable. And I, I, I'll admit, often I get emotionally carried away, <laughs> but I've got Jono right here. To, to, to wet blanket to wet everything. Blanket yeah. Okay, that's and fine. The, 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 the thing is, I'm also uh, aware enough to know that he's correct. Like, you have to park your emotions and yes. go with what's best what's best for the game. Mm. Um, and I think that it's probably incumbent upon us as the PRL to push that through the rugby league community, which is in the, the second point that you, you made. Mm. Um, rugby league already has a community. 
Yeah, massive absolutely. community. The trouble is most of them are assholes. No, that's not true. <laughs> and, and I think the other the other side to it is like, have how many people out there have you met that are just kind of uh, medium fans of rugby league? Plenty. Really? Yeah, I, I have. But the thing is, like, you need to convert the casual fan into the emotionally connected fan because what happens is that if rugby league goes through a rough patch like it has in Australia over the off season, the casual fan will flee the emotionally connected fan will stick because mm. we love it, we want to improve the game, etc. So that's the whole basis of, of my uh, diatribe. And, and I just want to take you on in terms of the on-field part of my comments. So I do think rugby league is probably the best game in the world to watch, but really it is such a subjective um, thing to say. It is totally not objective. And the thing is, like, if we have that default position we're not focusing on the important thing of making the game even more better to watch. Because let's face it, rugby league can get into a grind, can be predictable, and for a casual fan who's just flicking on, you know, they, they might just go, well, you know, watch five minutes and, and I'm going to move on. Because we, we don't mind the arm wrestle. But we're always going on about chucking it around because we know that's going to make it better. That's right, we, are, we have yeah. to encourage that. That's right. That's we what to... we do. I know, we, we what, do. What are we doing this for, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> Big Al, your rebuttal's over. <laughs> Time for his reply. My point is, we have to keep we have to keep looking for ways to improve, to progress. We can't just be complacent. It, being complacent just means that uh, you know other games may be looking to to enhance their in- entertainment value and get relatively closer to what rugby league can provide. Mm. So that's that's my point. My point is not rugby league is a boring game. I don't think I ever said that. I'm saying that it's a great game, and we have to keep focus on making it better. You know, take the emotion out when we can and look at ways that go, look, you know what? That was a pretty boring game because it was an arm wrestle and, and I don't think casual fans would have uh, latched onto it. So that, that's yeah, well, I'll agree with that because I think, I think modern day, like you read about the, the flair of the French right back in the day mm, and you compare right. that to the, the, the type of games that you see, especially at NRL level, where mm. it is... It's, it's pretty standardised and it's, it's all grind, grind, grind. Second man play, second man yeah, play, yeah. second man play. It's all about kick. completion set, completing your sets and all that sort of stuff. Um, but okay, just one small re-rebuttal. Mm, yeah. Of the um, uh, embracing the, or converting the casual fan to an emotionally invested fan, agree, that's a very, very important thing mm. to do. I think it's a really challenging thing to do because the emotionally invested rugby league community is, is tough. Like, it's, mm. it's not emotionally invested in that they want the best for the game. Everybody wants the best for their club and damn, damn all others. So mm. that means that, you know, hashtag ref's fault. Yeah. Um, the NRLs and administrations ruining the game. Mm. Or whatever it is. Anything that means your club's not at fault. Yeah. Uh, and that can be quite intimidating to, to the not emotionally invested fan. And that was... Oh, and that's a, that's, a, that's a bridge. Again, that's what we're here for. That's right. right. Make, build that bridge. And that was the second <laughs> part on, of... join us across. That was the second part of my point. We need to be a community that people want to belong to and, and, and feel welcome to join. Because, you know, we spoke about this in our episode a couple of weeks ago, Update the Slug. We talked about the NRL off-season. That what happened over that season, we don't want to go back over that stuff, but um, it didn't actually come across rugby league didn't actually come across as a community that would be really pleasant for a casual fan no. to join and become emotionally connected in so the focus has to be a on the on-field product but b you know fostering community that people think you know what i wouldn't mind joining that and i feel welcome to join because yeah. people are there with open arms because my arms are open <laughs> as i speak <laughs> folks his arms are open but it, it suffers 
obviously from the fact that in pretty much the same percentage as in real life, mm. it's the dickheads that ruin it for the majority, right? Yeah, it's in it's rugby league. But because it's such great media fodder, mm. it's often very disproportionate in terms of percentages of of bad eggs to good eggs, don't you think? Uh, yeah, look, there's no doubt that the vast, vast majority of rugby league players, rugby league community, are great people uh, with great hearts, and they love um, they love the community aspect of the game. But there is a minority that get all the attention and that ruins it for everyone and it you know what it reinforces negative stereotypes about rugby league and that's a massive massive problem there are negative stereotypes about rugby league and every time something bad happens it reinforces those stereotypes for casual fans and makes it harder for them to want to join our community it's it's, it's a two-leveled two-tiered problem in that the the on-field or sorry the off-field stuff stops people from wanting to go and experience a game but let's say that the off-field stuff is 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 done and they that non-emotionally attached fan does go to a game mm. the people at the game also need to make sure that they're not putting off those new fans as well because yes. there is um and that's you know the thing we've been saying the whole time is like if you love the game be on your best rugby league behavior <laughs> all the right. time like and it's because if you're not what you do as a as a branded fan um what you do good or bad reflects on the game so mm. just make sure what you do is good yeah well it's about respecting the game and I think you're talking about you know bad behaviour or bad language at, at games yeah. in front of children and, and yeah. other other things and that's not respecting the game that's a really selfish thing to do it's like yeah. I don't care about anyone around that's me right. I'm just going to do what I want to do and then swear and say horrible things treat going to the rugby league like going to your nana's house exactly big owl reflections <laughs> Um, so I, uh, over the week, I learned uh, in, in their attempts to get salary cap compliant for 2019, the Melbourne Storm have shed Sam Cassiano. He's going over to Sweet Baby Catalans, mm. which I'm a, I'm a massive fan of. I, I, I think, I, I thought Sam Cassiano, the slimmed down Sam Cassiano, never really got the same shine, but good looking in photos. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I reckon he'll, do, he'll smash it in the Super League. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about what he can do. Yes. Um, but it just sort of got me thinking about the recent transfers from NRL to Super League and the change in the calibre of player that, that goes over mm. I think we're we, we talked about this late last year like the, yeah. that's, that's what I'm saying is there is this is this the turning point in how uh, the Aussie fans might see the Super League in terms of yeah I don't know if this has actually generated any more interest from Australia in the English game and I'd say probably not because the rugby league community is is um, notoriously insular. They don't mm. really look out beyond their, the, the walls of their club. But certainly from the players themselves. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. And, and, and you know, the, the Wolfpack as well have really... Like, I was looking through their team list today. Like, Bodine Thompson's playing for them now. They've yeah. got Darcy Lussick and um, a couple of others that... that yeah, Ricky Latelli. Yeah, yeah, household names from a couple of seasons ago. Um, but I just think it's, a, it's, it's refreshing. So there's all the people that we spoke about in, in episodes previous. My Man of Steel of 2019, Blake Austin, of course. Yeah. Um, but I just think Sam Cassia, I think it's a really great thing for him, uh, for Rugby League and for the Super League. Mm, for absolutely. NRL, sorry, and for the Super League. Yeah. And of course, we, we mentioned it before, but Gareth Woodup next year as well. It's just like yep. the, the cherry on top. So you know, it's good, good news it's good. for the Super yeah. League. We're happy. Yeah. I like liquidity among the leagues. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a free float. This doesn't just seem, oh, oh, I can't find an NRL club. Well, that's me done. <laughs> Options, baby. Yeah. Okay, well, new season. Mm. Let's have a rustle around in the mailbag. Has there been anything in there? Well, there's plenty, but I've, I've been told, a little birdie has told me, that uh, we may or may not have 
a new mailbag, so- mailbag song. Is that correct? Yeah, it is correct. Uh, would you like to hear it? <laughs> yes, I would. All right. PRM, what's that smell? It's the mailbag. Got an itch, you can scratch it with the mailbag. About the state of play Or the ethical way The game should run today Don't mean to hassle Don't mean to nag Just send those questions and thoughts Straight to our mailbag Twitter, Facebook Or send those knowledge bombs to progressive RL at PRL, what's the smell? It's the mail bag. Loved it. Beautiful it's stuff. Well, well thanks, like, thank well, you uh, very much. The, the, the backup vocalist was um, uh, a bit of David Bowie in, in, their, in their voice there, I felt. Yes, I thought I'd do a bit of Bowie. <laughs> um, no, um, I won't play that whole thing every week because it goes on <laughs> for a minute. But yeah, that's the flavour I thought I'd lay down for you. That's I the flavour of 2019. Yeah. I like it. Exactly. So, mailbag, where do you want to start? Look, we've got a couple of um, friends of the show that feature in the mailbag. This week, uh, I want to start with Daniel James, DJ, as we know him. Uh, he's obviously a, a Wire fan, Warrington, Wire in the Blood. And he just got in touch and said he loved the book clubs that we did over the off-season. Thank you very much. And he suggested for the next season a book called Underdogs by Tony Hannon, which is apparently a book about following the, the Batley Bulldogs for a season. So that sounds very interesting. Yeah. It was also revealed during the week that uh, Daniel made his refereeing debut recently in the Warrington local league, specifically Crossfields versus Shevington Sharks under 10s. That's the way. Now, I'm pretty sure DJ is our youngest member of the PRL family. So, just wanted to say, Dan, you know, proud of you. Good on you for giving it a crack. You know, refereeing, especially at those lower levels, it's a true community service. So, you know, good on you, mate. Can I update... Yeah. The uh, first correspondence with a second piece of correspondence. Please do. Uh, Hi, guys. I know how much you like an obscure piece of progressive news. Warrington Wolves have just had their first ever women's match and against Leigh Miners Rangers and won 8 0. Very proud to say that I touched judged that game. Yeah, well. so there you go. There we go. Good on you, Dan. Good yeah. stuff. I reckon. I reckon also Dan would be a pretty good ref. I think he'd have the respect of the players. You know, he'd yeah. let the game flow. You know, he'd be assertive where well, he needs to be. Well, you know, if he's indoctrinated into the progressive That's ethos, right. then him and many others need to get out. We've there. got a chance to change the game here. <laughs> we get inside the minds of a referee. And what kind of referee do you think you'd be? Uh, well, uh, I'd, I'd be a bit of a pushover, to be honest. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, you, you didn't mean it. All right, go on. <laughs> so zero. I'd be like totally uh, overcompensating for my inferiority complex. So like, <laughs> I'd just be like blowing rep whistles <laughs> all the time, like penalty, penalty. Don't it, you mean? If I, it, I think it, my my biggest gripe with the game is second man plays. It's all, it's all any team ever does in attack, right? So I'll, that's, I'm going to have a little ticker. Yeah. 
If I see more than ten in a game, I'm penal. I'm penalising. Are you going to give a warning though? What's that? You're going to give a warning. Next second, man player gets a penalty. I'm just going. Well, you're in, a nine, boys. You're a nine. I'm, on the, nine I'm leaning into the halfback. You're nine. Yeah, you're nine. <laughs> what about like an eight count, like in boxing? Like? <laughs> <laughs> now we also received correspondence from our good friend Ian East from Leeds, or Ian from East Leeds, our resident mystery man. Is he going to clarify that, or is that? I, how I like the mystery. I, I, like I the hope mystery. he doesn't. <laughs> I've got a feeling I know which one, but I just I just don't want to know. Actually, I don't okay. want it to be confirmed. Um, and he got in touch. He was particularly enthusiastic about the upcoming Women's Super League season, which was officially launched on International Women's Day on the 8th of March. So the Women's Super League kicks off on the 7th of April, consists of eight teams uh, competing over 14 rounds. It's quite impressive, isn't it? First match is Wigan, who are the champs, versus St Helens, while Ian's Rhinos, who are the Challenge Cup holders, um, and the runners-up from last year, they face Wakefield. So Ian noted that uh, the key to lead seasons will be uh, Miss Forcell, Lois Forcell, uh, who is Leeds sportswoman, of the year so looking forward to the women's Super League season which kicks off in April and now Ian also pointed out a couple of beautiful uh, progressive moments that I'll bring up later on in the show as well yeah alright so thanks for getting in touch you can get in touch via the following ways slug Uh, the Twitters which is how everyone gets in touch (laughs) Facebook which is how one person gets in touch Uh, or ProgressiveRL at Outlook.com, which is how nobody gets in touch. So, you know, choose which uh, you think uh, suits you more. We're open to all. That's right. But, you know, I'm checking that email less and less, so maybe try Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Progressive Rugby League. So it's that time, I think, on the episode where we have... Slug we gallon me, we like what we see When it comes to French-Canadian Rugby 13 First of 2019, let's get into it folks Let's do it So we'll start at the top, we'll start at the Super League mm-hmm. I want to tell you a story and I'm calling this Super League A Tale of Two Babies <laughs> Babies are Le Catalan and uh, the newly uh, um, Baptised Baptised London Broncos <laughs> Currently both sitting on four points on the Super League ladder. So, sorry, I'll start with ladder position and then I'll go through latest results because we're at about round six of the Super League, so yeah. you're not going to go through the whole year. Yeah. So, currently sitting, Catalan's uh, currently sitting on eighth point, eighth position on four points. London, ninth position, also on four points. Um, and they've both come off um, some considerable defeats. Mm. Mm. So, we're talking uh, Salford 46 defeating Catalan 0 mm. and St Helens 26 defeating London 0. So, so from my calculations there, between, between them, they've scored, uh, carry the one, 0 points. That's right, <laughs> 0 points. Okay. Um, which, on the face of it, sounds horrible, right? Yes. But you try and take positives out of this. Even though they've just lost considerably without scoring any mm. points, they're both sitting just above the, releg- the relegation zone, 8th and 9th. That's mm. relatively safe positions. Uh, however, it's pretty early on in yeah. the season, so it's only round <laughs> it's, six. it's only round six, and they're only what they're on four points when out of well, you know the, the the next team below them's on two. Um, so relegation zone. Yeah, that's a relegation zone. I think it's fair to say we can expect better from Catalan. They've got a pretty good roster. Well, they're getting Sam Castellano. Yeah, they've yeah, they got yeah. Sam Tonkins. They've got a number of good signs. They've got Sam Tonkins. Yeah, fullback. I did yeah, not so. know that. Unbelievable. And you know, and London, who, on the other hand. 
ninth. If they can finish the year somehow in ninth, they're doing brilliantly to be in ninth at the moment. So, mm. you know, varying varying ways to look at it, I think. It's like we said last time. London's priority should just be not getting relegated. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, we, we say winning is secondary anyway, but when it comes to London, <laughs> seriously, don't worry about it. Don't care about... Just try and... Try and not Try and drop. get there. Yeah. And the thing about London, last week they had a famous win against Wigan. Against yeah. the title yeah. holders, Wigan. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They so, played all right last week, didn't they? Yeah, so I mean... Well, yeah. maybe that was spent up. That was a big game. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And similar for Catalans the week prior, they, they beat Warrington, who probably, you know, the two one of the top two teams in the competition, they beat them 23-22. So they probably... You know, we're maybe looking in the mirror a bit too much after that amazing victory last <laughs> they week. They won their grand final in round six or round <laughs> five. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and to, to further, further potential pain, London are a game ahead. So they've played six while um, almost all other teams have only played five. So there's sure. a chance they could drop further once other results in the round are played. So, But we won't focus on that. Right now, they're sitting on uh, in ninth position. And doing very well. And doing very well. So good for you. All right. So let's take a step down to the championship. Well, I have another story for you, which is called A Tale of uh, Two Further Babies. Um, so we'll go over the same, the same format. We'll talk about ladder position. And okay. We'll talk about results. Great. Um, so, Toulouse, the probably crown baby of them all, mm. um, currently sitting in fourth position on eight points, which is really, which is really great. And Toronto, um, you know, is sitting exactly where they sh- they, we all expected them to be, uh, first on ten points. But if you take it back, if you look to the column just to the right of that, you look at they've got five wins mm. and one loss. Mm. So Toronto are not undefeated as we thought they might go through the season. They've won five games out of six, but mm. they've lost one. Hmm. Who do we think that one loss would have been at the hands of? Well, I mean... Anybody care to hazard I, a guess? You know, fill me in. <laughs> it was Toulouse! <laughs> uh, so there you go. Toulouse Olympic uh, last weekend storm right over the top of a very strong Wolfpack with... 46 to 16 win at home in front of 6,000 people. That's right. Fantastic. So let's just bathe in that for one moment. I'd just like to ooh, point out that John is wearing a very fetching uh, Toronto Wolfpack Summer Tour 2018 shirt. I am, I am. And look, this was a, a game I, I woke up and, you know, because I think I had a dream that <laughs> night because it wasn't televised, so I didn't set my alarm to watch it. Uh, I had a dream that night that somehow Toronto won 22-16. So I, I actually, like, you know, got up specific yeah I know and I got up thinking that they'd won and then all of a sudden my my Twitter feed is full of uh, Toulouse you know winning 46-16 I'm like huh what's just happened (laughs) anyway what an amazing performance 40 unanswered points after trailing 16-6 at half time like you said in front of 6,000 fans they normally get a couple of thousand they played at the, the local rugby stadium what an amazing day for Toulouse. I'm so, so proud of them, so happy for them yeah. that not only they attracted 6,000 fans, but they turned it on. Oh, did they? <laughs> they what? turned it on with 40 unanswered points against the best team in the competition, Toronto. Okay, they've had a few not, not injuries. Not just the best team in the competition, like by far the best team. Well, yeah, I mean... Essentially a Super League team. Well, yeah, and they do have some injury setbacks at the moment, but even so. Whatever. Whatever, exactly right. So Not taking it away. And when, when Toulouse turned it on, geez, they turned it on, because you can remember... <laughs> Uh, in the Super 8s, the, uh, the late great Super 8s format last year when they played against Hull KR, they were trailing 19-0 and ended up um, turning it on and winning convincingly. So, gee, I tell you what, when they, when they bring their A game, they are something to behold. I wonder what's going through the minds of Toronto. Because like, we, we've spoken before about how um, perilous potentially the, the Toronto season is because... Everyone expects them to win. Mm. Yeah, they probably will, but how do they maintain that? It's a very, very long season. And when, like, how do you get pick up after a defeat like that? Like, granted, Toulouse are a, 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 very good a, team. a top team in that competition, right. but still, like, 40 unanswered points. 
Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? You got a long ass plane trip yeah. to think about it. Well, I mean, it's actually probably a good thing, really, just to give them a, a healthy dose of reality because, you know, everyone's been talking about, oh, they're going to go through untouched, you know, everything's going to be a breeze. So it's probably a good thing to get a bit of, you know, a bit of a facial. Uh, a bit of bit of dirt in the face and, and say, you know what, if you don't turn up, you're going to be beaten and you're not going to make it to Super League, which is an existential threat to the Toronto Wolfpack, yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and so um, that, that ends the international update for the official babies, but I have a, a Jews news update. Ooh. Jews news is news you can use. So yeah, that's right. Jews be Ramsey, uh, an unofficial baby. Sure. Um, but something, something very <laughs> Adop- dear, adopted baby. Something very dear to <laughs> my heart. Um, yeah, while it's not an official sweet baby, the PRL, they followed the trend of the Super League babies and lost 26 nil. Oh, okay. All right. uh, but hopefully they can bounce back against Sheffield, which I think they will uh, mm. next week. So come on, come on, Jewsby fellas. Can I just can I just go back a step back to it, the Super League game where Salford beat Catalan 46 nil? Mm. I just want to quickly bring up the the story of Jackson Hastings. Uh, he's playing for for Salford at the moment and playing brilliantly. And Salford by all accounts, are playing some exquisite rugby league. I saw some of the tries that they scored. Length of the field stuff with all sorts of brilliant offloads and some great kicks and all that sort of thing. Jackson Hastings is right at the centre of that. So I just wanted to bring up, isn't it interesting, because he, he left the Australian game as a bit of a... Well, he wasn't very popular. Something happened. Something happened. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> but he, he's a guy who's been... Uh, and, and so he was kind of like ostracised, really, from the Australian game. But he's been... He's been at Salford for a while now. He's been totally uh, embraced embraced by that community, and I think it's it's quite beautiful. And he, he's reflected upon, you know, his previous experience, and he's trying hard to improve himself as a person. And he's getting really involved in the Salford community as well. So I think that's a really nice story. Like after what he, um, you know, did or went through in Australia, I, I don't really think he did that much. He, he got into a he got on the wrong side of his captain, and it was maybe a bit of a he loved himself a bit much and had a few tickets on himself but who doesn't at that age and now he's he's gone to the other side of the world uh reflected on his you know mistakes and his shortcomings and he's really trying to be a better person so i think that's really nice yeah well done well done jackson Jack. hastings we salute you and and uh selford and selford playing some beautiful game. rugby yeah. league well done um, all right, so we'll we'll stop talking about domestic international rugby league and we'll start talking about international international rugby Ooh, league. Yeah. So uh, recent news through the off season is the announcement of the Oceania Cup, mm. which gives us an official, from an Australian perspective anyway, an official international calendar through 2019. Yeah. So the Oceania Oceania Cup uh, is played across two pools: Pool A, Australia, New Zealand, and Tonga. They play off in a triangular series for the official Oceania Oceania. Can't say it correctly. The OC Cup, we'll call it. No, just the O Cup. <laughs> we'll call it the OC. Um, Oceania Cup. Uh, and in Pool B, Samoa, Fiji, and PNG will play for the Oceania Shield, uh, which I think is fantastic stuff. So that's uh, and that's officially locked in to the calendar. Going to be played. Um, it gives the Pacific nations an official place at the international stage. Mm-hmm. Also gives them something to strive for because the whole idea is the winner of Pool B gets promoted into Pool A for the Oceania Cup oh. in 2020. Now, the reason that mm. happens is because Australia is actually is going to be officially on a European tour of that time oh, in 2020. Right. So I don't know what that means for Pool B, if it's just going to become a... a Promotion relegation sort well, of thing. But, like if, if, but if, you mean into the future? Well, yeah. So yeah. Australia's going to come in again sometime, right? So does that mean that... <laughs> they should pool start a in Pool gets, B! Gets relegated? <laughs> yeah. Like what does Australia 
just started. They didn't pool. show up. Or in 2020, does Pool B just have two teams in it instead of three? <laughs> I think like that's probably a, a slight nod to some administrative chucking around, just a little bit. Oh, come <laughs> on, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would be awesome. I say bring Australia in, let them fight their way back up to, um, to, to promotion. Uh, but still, I think that's a, a fantastic. Um, yeah, it's an official. And that starts this year. It starts this year. So if you go through the International Rugby League schedule for 2019, mm. uh, we've got uh, in June um, the Oceania Cup Pool A game of New Zealand versus Tonga. We've got a Kiwi Ferns playing somebody, we're not quite sure. We've got Samoa against PNG, Australia versus New Zealand, the Gillaroos versus the Kiwi Ferns, Tonga versus Great Britain as part of a Lions tour, my mm. friend. Ooh, Lions uh, New tour. Zealand versus Great Britain, Australia versus Tonga, Samoa versus Fiji. New Zealand versus Great Britain, Fiji versus PNG, PNG versus Great Britain, and the Orchids versus the Pacific All Stars. Oh, what? That's done. Oh, there's so much to take in there. Pacific All Stars. <laughs> uh, maybe we should focus on the Pacific All Stars next time. All right, all right. Because we put a, that one as well. Put a pin <laughs> in the All Stars. Two, two other thoughts. There's, a, there's still a gaping hole where that Anzac test is, don't you reckon? Um, or are you happy to see it gone? Look, it didn't quite uh, it didn't quite capture the imagination. I think to be mm. fair, it was just like doing something. It didn't really mean anything. It was one off. I, I prefer a bit of context in terms of like a, an Oceania Cup or something. Yeah, I think because it didn't lead to anything, it was just a, it was like a friendly, basically. But it celebrated the Anzacs. Oh, well, and Lions Tour. Oh, how good are those two words <laughs> oh, yeah, together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be great if they were playing Australia as well. But look, two t- two tests against New Zealand, one against Tonga, one against PNG. It's great to have them back. It's really a, a tour of the Pacific. Yeah. And and I was in um, New Zealand last week, and New Zealand have you know four internet four or five international tests, and most of them are at home this year, which is really rare for them to have so so many home fixtures. And it was actually quite a, a groundswell of, of media attention about that. So that's really good news for the game in New Zealand. New Zealand. The New Zealand rugby league team, they need a bit of a, like they need a, bit of a booster. Yeah, they do, yeah. A bit of a bad way at the moment. I think they've been ignored somewhat. Um, they have. For the, the rise of Tonga. Yep. Um, so let's see them get back up there. But also, why wouldn't you play Australia? You're down here anyway. You're doing mm. a lap around Australia. It's probably got something to do with the Australians having better things to do. Uh, no, I, I think it's to do with the, the fact that there's no money in International Rugby League TV rights at the moment, so they're waiting for the next uh, batch of TV rights, the NRL in particular, right. are waiting for, the, waiting for the next batch of TV rights where they can separate International Rugby League and earn money from it. At the moment, they don't want to pay play too much International Rugby League where they're not earning any yeah, money from yeah. it. Because okay. it's all free at the moment. It's all bonus. It's just a tack on, yeah. It's, it's quite outrageous, actually. All right. Bonus International Rugby League. Well, um, there. Yeah, thus closes. Thus the closes the update for the update, week. Yeah, good to have it back. Alrighty. Well, let's uh, shuffle straight on to progressive moments of the week. And can I? Oh, please. Start with a progressive question. Ooh. Mm. Or just a question, really. Absolutely. Um, wild card entry into Ooh. the. NRL finals. What's, what's, all, what's all this about? So the wild card weekend. Now, first of all, it's a proposal. It's <laughs> a lot of people think this is something the NRL has just said. This is what's happening next year. It's mm. just a proposal uh, to shake things up across the final series. Essentially, what happens is uh, the top six get rewarded with a, a, a week off at first. Yeah. Positions seven, eight, nine, and ten all play off in a sudden death, uh, sudden death matches to effectively. Earn the place of team seven and eight. So yeah, you, right. What you get? What you get? People are calling it a top ten. It's not a top ten. It's a top six, middle four, <laughs> and a bottom six. So we'll, we'll have a, with, a, with a nod to the super eight. Yeah. We'll have middle fours, top sixes, bottom sixes. So, so, so you're obviously quite pro. 
Well, people will say, like, oh, Big Al's a massive target. His family always finished ninth, so, like, of course he likes that. But, like, yeah. But the okay, guarantee. Fine. Like, Why of course have they all got swollen tongues? <laughs> but the guarantee here is the Tigers will finish 11th. <laughs> and now, like, the no. Raiders will finish 12th. No, but, but seriously, I think it's... I, I just think it adds an extra element to that first week. Like, it, it puts... Um, like people it, it makes the top four more accessible so the top four essentially becomes the top six because it's a safe harbour of a week off yeah. rest and it gives you a week of like sudden death finals games that are really really meaningful so like that first week of finals team seven and eight you probably they probably think like you don't really expect them to win I suppose mm. whereas you'll have a week where seven, eight, nine, and ten have to win and they all potentially could like yeah. I think that'll be quite tight games because yeah. when you get to the back end of the year those teams that finish um, yeah, we'll say ninth to eleventh. Usually, have gone on a pretty good run, yes. where they're actually in pretty good form. Okay, like the 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 naysayers say, well, you're rewarding mediocrity, and you don't want a team that finishes tenth to have a chance to win the grand final. Mm. I get all that sort of stuff, but I'm all for excitement. But you, plus, you're plus, a, what's the reality of that happening, really? Well, yeah, teams that finish eighth don't get better. Yeah, like, exactly. Really exactly. It, it, you're rewarding mediocrity by having a top eight as well. I mean, eighth are generally mediocre. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a different type of mediocre. Yeah. I mean, I think in an ideal world, you'd have this, this concept in an 18-team competition. I, I think, like, the naysayers may have a point in that it's a 16-team competition and, what, tenth still gets a, a crack at the grand final at the end of the year. But But... I've come around and I think I'm on board as well because of a couple of reasons. And the main one is that rugby league in Australia always struggles with that first week of semi-final crowds. Yeah. It's always, mm, always getting really point. poor great crowds. Point. And what the AFL have done is they have a buy round after the final regular season game. And so they have no football and so every team gets a week off. And then there's a huge groundswell of anticipation and they get like enormous crowds I know they get enormous crowds in general but having an extra week to build up those semi-final games I think yeah. would help us uh, create great greater anticipation and greater crowds in week one are you suggesting that the the lesser crowds are due to the fact though that two of those games in the first week are not sudden there no no I think it's it's the fact that it just takes a while you know you, you finish the regular season on uh, Sunday, yeah, and then you know, you've yeah. got until Friday, so there's not really time to build up period. Yeah, exactly right. Gotcha. And so we, if we want to, you know, ape the AFL, then you could have a buy round at the end of regular season, but then we'd have no rugby league. So this is even <laughs> better, which is a horrible. So answer. why, yeah, why have a buy round? We can have two sudden death wildcard games, which feed into the final series, and yeah. then you'll have more anticipation, more excitement. I think it's quite good. And, and so does the rest of this final series remain the same structure? Yeah, yeah. after the, after the following week. As, as, as per week one of the normal thing. Okay. And the sudden de- the the first week the sudden death element would you have ten play seven eight play nine? Yeah. Is that the deal? Okay. Mm. What do you think, Slug? You on board? Well, I, I, to be honest, I'm just getting the details now live <laughs> as we speak. So uh, I heard the I heard the wild card word and I went, ooh, what's that? Tell me more. Um, but I don't know. Yes, I, I, I'm mostly with it. I'd be mm-hmm. cheesed off if I was seventh and ten was coming at me in form yeah. and I was kind of on a gentle slide out of the, t- yeah. <laughs> out of the top eight. But there you go. Them's the breaks, I guess. Exactly. I mean, that, that's what I mean. If, you, if people are upset about a top ten, in inverted commas, they should also be upset by a top eight. Because they're the yeah. same sort of things, like fifth place, or, 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 like, or, eight a, coming or a final series at all. Like, shouldn't the team that was yeah. consistently the best throughout the year should be yeah. the premier? Like, yeah, yeah come on, right. man, think about the game. Come, <laughs> come on. on, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wild card weekend. All right, I'll, I'll mull on it some more, but I'm okay with it at the moment. Okay, who's up, who's up next? All right, progressive moment of the week. 
Matt Chechen is back, my friend. Oh, yeah. There we go. The world's greatest referee, and I'm calling him the world's greatest referee. Apart from Daniel James. No, no. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, sorry. The world's, professional, the world's greatest NRL referee. Right. Um, yeah, uh, he's back. So after some, um, some visa work issues, uh, apparently uh, referees in the Super League aren't considered uh, actual professional employees. Yeah, right. Something, something weird like that. So they invented it. They tried to invent a special role for him to qualify for the work visa, mm. and that fell over. Wow. So he never got the work permit. And then after speaking with Graham Annesley in the NRL and hearing the new edict for referees in the NRL this year, which is referee with your heart, son. <laughs> Chechen's back, my friend. So that's, I think that's fantastic. That is great he is, to see. He is honestly, I think, the greatest referee that we've currently got. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I think the game suffered a tremendous blow losing him. He was, mm. he's a great talent. And the whole drama team. around that as well. Yeah, exactly. That was quite so I, I think, deflating. I think this is step one in rebuilding of the image and confidence of the referees in the game for 2019. And I'm a huge fan. Matt Chechen, welcome back. Yay. Yeah. Look, my moments, as I mentioned earlier, Ian Eastrom Leeds or Ian from East Leeds gave us a couple of moments to share with the audience, and, and they're from Hull KR and Salford City Red Devils, respectively. And these are both great progressive moments showcasing uh, the inclusivity of the rugby league community. So in terms of Hull KR, there was an instance in Hull where uh, a lesbian couple were vilified in their local community. They were getting hate mail about uh, being together and having a kid and Hulk Hayat saw this and invited them to present uh, the match ball at the game and they had a big song oh, dance before the game and said, you know, you're part of our community wow. and you're one of us. So I just want to nice shout out to Hulk Hayat. So what did that, did it make the news that these people were being persecuted or something like that? Or, uh, or yeah. they just heard about it somehow? They might, might have heard about it on social media or it, may, oh, may, right. it made the news subsequently, so yeah, that's, that's okay. good news. Uh, and then for Salford, a similar thing happened. There was a father and son who had, uh, a black father and son, had racist graffiti on their door mm-hmm. uh, in Salford and were told to, you know, get out of here and stuff like that. Very unwelcoming. Uh, Salford saw this and said, you know what, guys, you're our guests of honour at our next home game. And like at Hulk KR, they were able to present the, the match ball to the to the teams and they were embraced and, and said, you know, you are part of our community. And I thought that was such a beautiful touch. Mm, I like it. Well Do done, we, both teams. Not on my watch, they say. Yeah. Do we just get the impression... That the English competition is just progressive pretty much across the board. Are we starting to feel this? Um, look, I, de- I wouldn't go that far. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let, let, I mean let, let's get our English listeners to, to let us know. But look, they, they are two beautiful moments. And English Rugby League, I'm sure they'll tell you, has always been about inclusivity. As Rugby League has been across the world, it's always been about uh, letting the... We're, we're kind of a, contra- a congregation of the maligned rugby league, us rugby league fans. If you look back to rugby league fans, if you go far enough into our history, we have been marginalised one way or another. Like, for instance, in my case, uh, my you know my father was working class. So working class people, you know, technically marginalised, you know, people from minority groups. Rugby league, we're a congregation of the marginalised and maligned. So we've always been about, about inclusivity. And yeah. these are two wonderful examples. English rugby league is obviously they... They started the whole thing with the whole uh, yeah. 1895 <laughs> Northern Union thing. So, of course, they've got progressive chops. I guess part of the reason I'm asking is because we don't see stories here about mm. people over in England, rugby league players over in England, mm. like fronting up to court and, and all the rest of it. And, and yeah. because they've been uh, 
accused of this or or that or violence or abuse or anything like that. Now, is is that saying it doesn't happen or is that saying it doesn't make it over to Australia in the news? I think it's the latter. Yeah. I mean, they they definitely... One of the things that English Rugby League supporters get a bit upset about is that Rugby League only makes the news there when there's bad behaviour, like right. a, you know, someone like Zach Hardacre on drugs or whatever it might be. Um, like the, the NRL often makes the front page of the BBC Sport website just for bad behaviour. So right. Rugby League is kind of like <laughs> not even a sport in, in some uh, English media, uh, you know, realms. It's really just a bad behaviour cesspool. Well, right. yeah, just, just to to sort of point and laugh at. So, um, look, rugby league, as we know, is a progressive sport. And that's what, what we're here for. That's what we're here for, to remind people how progressive rugby league actually is. Very good. Well, that seems like a fitting end point. Mm, yeah. However, right. I want to be self-indulgent for a little while. <laughs> okay. Just before we go, I think I might ask all the friends of the Progressive Rugby League podcast, uh, if you could just throw a, a, a five-star review and rate on your pod platform of choice that'll help this little show spread its progressive message out there to people by being noticed more i'd actually like to read a couple of uh recent-ish reviews that we've had on itunes if if you guys will allow me sure this is from philomena progressive rugby league more like progressive rugby i need (laughs) listening to passionate people talk about their passion intelligently and with genuine insight is a true joy the nuances of the game are exposed to acolytes and experts alike this podcast is truly a fine wine to be savoured so thank you Philomena (laughs) you can't see this Philomena but I'm blushing that was great shout out to you wherever you are also, shout out to this next person who goes by the name of Andrew Marmon. Are you familiar with that, fellas? It might have been uh, the subject of a progressive rugby league book club, The Finest Hour. Uh, he's written, The guys are knowledgeable, intelligent, and have good debate about the issues of rugby league, and I like how they think outside the traditional club setup. A welcoming and inviting listen for sport lovers of all ages. Give it a listen. So that's right. Thank, thank you. you. You could join those guys just by writing something nice about us. Um, oh, so well, like I mean, if they write something mean, we should still read it out, right? Like, got to be fair. I'm happy to. Yeah, that's so, good content. Yeah, I mean, as long as they give us a five star rating. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> write what you want. Just give us five stars. So we'll catch you next week after the first round. Mm, looking forward to it. Until then, bye all. See ya. See you all in rugby league. We trust. Yeah.